0: Following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at bicbp-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency, creativity, culture. Hey everybody, it is another month and another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, and independent wrestling history podcast. I am Chris Gello, joined alongside Jonathan Ash.
1: Hello
0: there. This is brought to you by BICBP Radio Network and the Podcast Precinct. Thanks to Matt Johnson and the whole staff over there. And thank you, of course, <laughs> all the listeners that keep supporting us. Uh, before we will give the early plugs, uh, we are RTI pod on Twitter and Instagram. We discover any indies on Facebook. And of course you can listen to us on Google podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, uh, and many more platforms. But yes, this is Rediscovering the Indies, and we do talk about independent wrestling history, and today is part two of Dragon Gate USA. Uh, In part one, we pretty much laid out how Dragon Gate was formed. Gabe Sapolsky leads Ring of Honor. Uh, Dragon Gate and their relationship with Ring of Honor dissolves. Gabe starts being almost a United States liaison for Dragon Gate, Uh, ends up becoming Dragon Gate USA, and they run a show. Uh, that does very well, and that's where we at. We did the debut show, and we ended on part one. So we will get right into part two and right in the timeline, August fourth, two thousand nine, from the Observer. Dragon Gate USA will be doing a one night tournament on the November twenty eighth show to determine a new champion. They're doing four matches in the first half of the show, and then the four winners advance to elimination main event. No participants announced yet. So wrestling fans love tournaments, especially this type of style. Um, you know, people love the G one climax tournament and, and whatnot. So, uh, it t- tournaments are a big part of, of, of Japanese wrestling. So this was probably a no brainer to do that for, for the title.
1: Yeah. Uh, everyone loves tournaments. Um, uh, especially considering, like you said, it's something that, um, Japanese fans have come to expect and uh, especially during this era with uh, Ring of Honor doing their fair share of tournaments and now Dragon Gate just picking up the picking up the pace there
0: August 10 2009 Observer the tournament for the Open the Freedom Gate title the US-based singles championship taking place on November twentieth in Philadelphia had its rules officially announced it will be an eight-man tournament and have four singles matches early in the show with the winners coming back for a four-way elimination match to determine the first champion, Ash, do you like that format? Because I feel like I am, I'm on the fence about it. I do love a traditional tournament, but a four way match can be very entertaining, and that's the four to six way scramble matches are kind of where it is a big part of pro wrestling today. But do you like that? Like four singles matches into a four way.
1: Only if it's the right participants. Um, I've seen some really bad uh, eight-man tournaments into four four-way finals on the indies. Um, I've always said three-ways, four-ways, not everyone can do them, especially three-ways. It's much harder psychology-wise than a lot of people might think, and I've seen a lot of bad ones on the indies. Um, I am a traditionalist. I do like the traditional, like, King of the Ring single elimination eight-man tournament because you get to work three matches. Um, I was ever a fan when King of the Ring changed that in the late 90s to only be two matches. I think three matches a good way to go. Um... I see it also like something to do with time constraints especially in the indies Uh, I've worked many a show where they've done tournaments where they've done this either because they already had like six other matches booked on the show and they didn't want a four hour show um, or the talent involved wanted more money to do three so there was also that Um, so there's a variety of reasons why uh, you wouldn't do a three way or a, th- a three-tier tournament, but um, yeah. So, at least with what we're talking about with Hero Dragon Gate, the participants all understand how to work the match, and it is definitely much better than the average uh, four-way that you would see, especially during this time.
0: August 19, 2009, uh, Brian Kendrick debuts on the September 6th show in Chicago at the Congress Theater, facing Shima. Uh, also added is a Masada Yoshino versus Dragon Kid rematch. This goes along with the previously announced Brian Danielson versus Noriki Doi as the main event, David Richards versus Shingo Tagagi, and Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw versus Yamato and Gran Akuma. Uh, the goals for the U.S. promotion would be about 500 paid attendance, which would be Put things about break even on the house show, and all their income would be profit. And then the money would be made. Uh, the money made uh, by a projection of doing three to five thousand buys on pay per view. Ring of Honor was doing five to ten thousand until its collapse on the last few shows, and a thousand or so on DVD sales per show. From a financial standpoint, even before pay per view and DVD sales, the first show has already done a significant profit with just eight hundred paid. Um definitely it seems like it's running on a standard indie budget. <laughs> and we're dealing with Illinois too that doesn't have athletic commissions or any regulations or anything like that as far as I know. Um but continuing this note here, uh yeah, the first show was going to be the easiest to draw what makes the this more feasible economically with similar weaker number is the lack of front office. And the big expenses travel for the Japanese. The next two shows will answer questions about long-term. The advance for the second show in Philadelphia is not going as quickly as the first, but the show is until no- until November. The idea is not to run any market more than twice a year and concentrate on promoting three markets with Chicago and Philadelphia. The third has, has been determined, although New York has been talked about.
1: I think if you're doing three markets and that's all, you've, all you're have all concentrating on, I don't think New York would have been smart if you're already doing Philly. Agreed. Because um, it's close enough and you if you're just if your talent budget is so large that you're flying in Japanese talent and paying top tier indie guys you want to maximize that as much as possible and you can maximize that by only running one city in the northeast and having fans travel in. So you have one city in the Northeast, one in the Midwest. I would have said L.A.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I Maybe Sapolsky didn't have a lot of connections out there. I, I mean, that's all I could think of. But then Dragon Gate themselves ran a show in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles can be hit or miss even to this day. Like you could have like New Japan Strong does some good numbers from time to time. GCW does some good numbers, but then there's some shows that don't. So it's... It, it just depends on I guess the marketing and who you're booking um but yeah either l a or possibly Florida even though like f i p was running Florida um evolved ransom shows there that might have been a market to to go after as well
0: yeah yeah I mean I'd honestly the, the that one miami uh is a pretty good market uh for wrestling. Most of the time, uh, August twenty fourth, two thousand nine, Dragon Gate will be airing a preview show on the Fight Network in Canada. Oh, there's that. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry, I skipped the note on August eighteenth here. Uh, Ring of Honor's November twenty eighth show in Edison, New Jersey, has been moved to November seventh, so they could partner the show up with the November fifth and sixth HD Net tapings of Philadelphia. They were going to run the twenty seventh in Hartford, but decided that market wasn't drawing well anymore and couldn't find another building. To go back to back days during that weekend, they also uh, avoids running head to head with the November twenty eighth Dragon Gate show USA in Philly. Yes, um, I mean that, that that is smart. But you're also running three shows in Philadelphia three weeks before Dragon Gate. People only have so much money.
1: Yes, but Ring of Honor is hoping that people are going to spend their money on them. Yes, because they're no, I'm first. That.
0: But for them to say, oh, they don't want to go head to head, like 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 they're being nice.
1: <laughs> like uh, i don't think yeah, i i see what you're i see what you're saying there I, yes. I don't think it's like going head to head i think i think it's just like going head to head competing directly where like they do for mania weekend a few months later where you're like you're competing directly with the fans it's
0: not me, me and you know wrestling promoters long enough though you know Whoever was in charge of Ring of Honor at that time was probably like, oh, yeah, no, no, we're not going to run the same weekend. You know, that's over. No, we're not going to do that to them. That's not right. It's dividing the audience. But in reality, they're like, let's run in the beginning of the month and get all the money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Am I, I wrong? No. And uh, so what do they run? Yeah, they run the seventh. Uh, They didn't run at all. The second half of November, Ring of Honor.
0: Yeah, no, they got it all out. The, yeah, November yeah, 7th, month.
1: November 13th in uh, Michigan, the 14th in Mississauga, Ontario, and then nothing until middle or early December. So, yeah, they just, again, that's, I think that's smart on their end because even though they're the established brand, you got to understand that Dragon Gate was a threat to their business especially with Gabe running it with all the talent, the similar talent that they were booking uh, separate your shows and space them out because yeah, they can act like they're going to be nice and like, all right, we, we don't want, we don't want to go head to head. We don't want fans to choose, but yeah, like you said, it's more about you're splitting the audience and there's going to be fans that are going to go to one over the other. And
0: yeah. And you're doing three days in the same city too. We have yeah. to remember that. It's three days in Philadelphia. The note I said uh, out of order, <laughs> Dragon Gate will be airing a preview show on the Fight Network in Canada. So it seems like they're getting uh, uh, TV in Canada, which would would do prospectively well to run Toronto. Um, August 29, 2009. Uh, this is from the Figure Four Weekly. The Dragon Gate USA pay-per-view, which debuts September 4th nationwide on ca- cable and satellite, may legitimately be the... W- best wrestling show from top to bottom in history I've seen Rig of Honor TNA and WWE pay-per-views that have better matches there's nothing on the show that would rate higher than a four and a quarter star which is quite a quite bit lower than what I gave say Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker at Wrestlemania but I'm not sure if there's ever been a pay-per-view from any company that has had five matches on it which uh, were four stars and one was four and a quarter star and the lowest rated match was three and a half stars that's a pretty amazing stat the show debuts september 4th in the u.s on in demand and tvn as well as in canada on bell express VU you and viewers choice it will not be airing overseas but the dvd will be released one month after its first airing if you have on demand in the u.s comcast cox and other providers there's a 13 minute preview available in pay-per-view preview sections that features some awesome clips the Japanese Dragon Gate, including some highlights featuring the artist currently known as Evan Bourne. There are also many previews on YouTube. Uh, Dragon Gate USA will be running six shows per year, and they're keeping overhead very low, so they will not lose money. Even the pay-per-views draw as few as 2,000 buys. Uh, if the show is in the neighborhood of what some better Ring of Honor shows have done with estimated 10,000 buys, they'll come out way ahead. The first live event did better than the company expected. They sold out merchandise pretty much immediately, it, it, but it was also the first show, and we'll get a better idea with the future and after the second and third shows are in a can. The next show takes place September 6th in Chicago at the Congress Theater, when the Doy Doi vs. Brian Danielson in a non-title match, uh, Kiki Horiguchi and Ryo Saido vs. The Young Bucks in a non-title match, Brian Kedrick Dragon Gate vs. Mosito Ushino in a rematch from the first show. Uh, Quackabush and Jigsaw vs. Yamato and Granakuma in a grudge match uh, from the only angle show in the first show. And Davy Richards vs. Shingo in a battle of the hard hitters. Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross will also be doing their third ever autograph appearance on the show. Um, we're uh, going to get into it in a second here uh, as we go down the notes here, but as we're recording this what's happening this weekend Ash? uh
1: you mean this coming weekend yes uh there is a series of shows in Chicago
0: on Labor Day weekend yes hmm from interesting com-
1: from multiple companies
0: i don't, I may have hinted at this at the last show, and I apologize if I did in part one. The young bucks are here. They're at a comp- they're in a company doing a show Labor Day Weekend in Chicago. How much did this stick with them when they would run all out 9 years later? Uh that's something to think about.
1: I mean, Labor Day weekend to run to run multiple shows, especially like a Sunday show in a destination like Chicago uh, has has turned into a thing. Um, I don't know how much it would have been them making that decision, but I do think with with All In uh, being heavily their idea and Kenny's idea and Cody's idea, that I'm sure that came up about let's run Labor Day Weekend, let's run... Chicago, because it's central location and it's hot, a hot town.
0: I mean, I, they're there for the early the early events of this being like a huge. Because traditionally, and me and you have, I can tell you this, uh, well, traditionally, I mean, in the 2000s, holidays don't usually draw for wrestling. Holiday weekends, I, I've been on shows that are run on Moral Day weekend that are just were not good.
1: I mean, they still aren't for. For the lower level indies, um, yeah, like that whole territory idea of running holidays—that's that's your biggest draw. Just that went away in the late eighties, early nineties with Dota B. Um, nobody really, nobody tries to run Easter anymore. I mean, I don't want to say nobody. We know companies in Canada that have done that, that ran on holidays, and still do. And most of the time, they draw twenty people.
0: Yeah, I, I know um, some of the Southern Indies are still traditionalists. We're running Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, it's a novel concept, but those jo- shows usually don't like draw.
1: No, uh, a I think Bo people. Bo James is an exception. Like he'll do those shows, and he does okay. Um, but that's also like tradition in in the Tri Cities and small areas like that. Um, you know, the, the small traditional areas that don't have. Uh, any pro sports teams, but yeah, even to say as we as we talk, there's uh, there's a local company uh, where we are that's running an afternoon show at an outdoor. Uh, I don't even call it a minor league ballpark; just in a, in a ball field on this this coming Sunday. Uh, it's a sold show at a fair and or at a festival, and it will do okay, but it's nothing. Nowhere near what, like the Second City Summit with GCW and Black Little Pro do this weekend with the no. major, with the major companies.
0: And no, it, it made it an attraction weekend. And, and if you're looking at this, you get the Dragon Gate show. You got the Jer, Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross signing. Like, and I mean, it, I wonder if other things happened that weekend in Chicago in 2009. Now I'm curious with other shows. I don't. But I, I, I would know. It, it would hard to find.
1: But that's that's the type of stuff where like that but again that's where I was a relatively new thing because if we look at mania like uh piggybacking off of mania wasn't really a thing until this era until Ring of Honor started in two thousand seven two thousand and eight around this time, and then just every other company, but like it wasn't a thing until then, and now it's evolved into not just mania weekend but now. Uh now it's Memorial Day weekend with double or nothing, it's Labor Day with all out, it's uh SummerSlam weekend. I think rubble weekend might start being a thing. Uh it's these these wrestling weekends of uh, wrestling destinations are starting to like started around this era and now it's just getting bigger and bigger, where like that's the destination now.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, especially with the holiday weekends where, like, you're, you're okay, yes, is there fans in Chicago that are like, oh, I can't wait, Labor Day weekend, these shows always come to my hometown, but it, it's going to be a lot of tourists, a ton of tourists, because it they have a long holiday weekend, and they can go on vacation to Chicago and see their favorite wrestlers.
1: Yeah, here, I'm going to actually look up on Cage Match to see if anything else is running
0: uh, during that period. Uh, While you do that, uh, I'll go to the next note here. September 7, 2009 from The Observer. With well, get USA debuting a pay-per-view on September 4th, we have the latest look to see if the ultimate niche promotion specializing in delivering great wrestling matches can survive on a small scale with limited costs. Dragon Gate USA is the next step in the experiment that began with Ring of Honor, and even though the companies have nothing to do with one another, and no Ring of Honor regulars appear in the debut show, the comparisons are still obvious. It's the same two-month, delayed, two-hour tape with the same-looking production and graphics syndicated by the same G-Funk Sports and Entertainment. The ECW Arena, as it's called in its debut broadcast, a tape of the show from July 26th in Philadelphia, is the home base. Gabe Sapolsky is the booker, and although it's a different product than Ring of Honor, less grudge match and angle-based, you even have Lenny Leonard announcing. As far as the show goes, I think most people will already know ahead of time what they think of it. If you watch two hours of not good but great to incredible wrestling, you will love the show. There are no match of the years here, but start to finish, this is a good wrestling pay-per-view a show as there ever been. One of the five matches in two hours, every match is better than Rey Mysterio, versus Dolph Ziggler of the five matches, sorry. Uh, every match is better than Ray Mysterio versus Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam and all are as good or better than CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy ladder match. But none approached the level of the Dragon Gate 6 man's and Ring of Honor that would finish high in the match uh, of the year voting a few years ago. Athletically, it's at a completely different level than anything seen on US pay-per-view in years. There are better matches than anything here in Ring of Honor shows. But don't know if there's been a better quality of wrestling from start to finish. Oh, they, there have been better matches. Sorry, uh, but going on, but going in, Dragon Gate on U.S. pay per view, you figured the wrestling would be top notch. Ring of Honor delivered largely great pay per view shows that are no longer on pay per view. So clearly, something more than that is needed. If Ring of Honor was handicapped by not having names and not being in a big arena or having the kind of production and big show atmosphere. People expect when they buy a pay per view. Dragon Gate is one step farther. In general, the wrestlers are better because they are better athletes, working more frequently and with each other. It's as good as everyone is. There is no. I'm uh, um, gonna say it's not just a lot of cool moves like in a regular show, but they're quicker, crisper, and better timed. Although as good as everyone is, there is no Brian Danielson level wrestler in the show either. There are generally young, but almost all. Are already polished, but the show is carried by Japanese wrestlers. By no means are they interchangeable guys doing spots. If you intentionally watch the matches, but if you watch the re, uh, but if you're watching the reasons and with the effort of the most casual fans put in, this is how it will come across. There are angles designed to build upcoming matches, but there are few. Uh, there are interviews, but they're also short and few. The show does attempt to build the two main eventers and make them seem special. The announcers are well versed in who the wrestlers are and the bevy of big moves. It's pretty much the best it's going to be. If you want to see good wrestling, there's nothing better out there. If you want to see television stars at a big show, there's nothing here for you. But nobody's fooling themselves any more than a night full of four-star matches every other month. The word of mouth will build any huge audience. The goals here are modest. Maybe three to 5,000 buys. The chance of hitting that figure increased this past week when a deal was completed with the Dish Network. Meaning the show was available in 75 million homes in the U.S. and Canada... Virtually the entire pay-per-view universe. Ring of Honor top 10,000 on a few occasions, so it's not inconceivable. But the downside of the Ring of Honor experiment is even that they are delivering every single show, that they do not maintain that audience. And while I expect them to hit the benchmarks in show number one, and with the saying, you only have one chance to make a first impression, you can't keep, can't come in hoping to deliver a better show than this. But there's no guarantee that people will come back in two months. The Ring of Honor experiment has already showed that. The Ring of Honor business model, as it stands right now, is producing a number of live shows to have DVD content and making the money off selling DVDs is no longer viable due to the collapse of the DVD market. While Ring of Honor uh, did make money on pay-per-view, the fact is the company voluntarily dropped pay-per-view after numbers of the last few shows collapsed total lesson. While some will blame the booking change, the pay-per-view numbers were dropping badly, as were DVD sales, while Gabe Sapolsky was the booker. The idea was that he was booking too much of a niche product and had burned out after six years as booker, which he even admits And the reality is every booker develops burnout in less time than that. And they needed to change to reach the casual fans, saw Ring of Honor make this change. Since then, pay-per-view and DVD sales continue to fall. While house show attendance, at least outside of Philadelphia, where they can't sell tickets and the TV tapings are all papered, have remained pretty much steady. With Dragon Gate, there's a different economic intact. The key is that Ring of Honor has several full-time employees and an office staff, while Dragon Gate will only have G- Sapolsky at this point. There's also no illusions Ring of Honor was built on the idea because they were presenting great such great live shows that if people saw the product, the numbers would continually grow. But it doesn't work that way. Because without television, no matter how great the matches are, very few people were willing to accept Ring of Honor Top Guys as real stars. The idea that the product was too niche and thus holding back a large audience was the thought presses a few months ago. Sapolsky has a different view. His feeling is that only a small audience for pro wrestling right now that isn't WWE or TNA and without the money behind you and television, the idea that you can reach families and casual fans isn't there. He's banking on the idea that there's a small audience who will support six shows a year, and as long as they aren't overdone and costs are kept low, they can run a small promotion based on it. There's no expectation that they will provide a better product than TNA, and thus in time people will see it and they'll be number two. The first show was successful, making a profit before the pay-per-view and DVD money, based simply on the live gate, but most figured the first show would do that, the second show was uh, September 6th in Chicago. Didn't get off to a start of the first uh, start of the first show, even with publicizing a rare autograph session with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. And now only has the the chance to see Brian Danielson versus New rookie Doi. In theory, one would think the quality of the show as a live event is pay per view and a DVD, particularly considering the people buying it going in know they are getting and aren't what they are getting and aren't going to expect major league production should be the best possible foot forward but the best, But the business of retaining customers in production is tricky Our customers in wrestling is tricky, sorry whether uh, this kind of concept is based in Japanese stars will have legs as uncharted waters in any environment, let alone this wrestling environment very, very long post by Dave <laughs> yes. now I can brief <laughs> okay we can dissect that and I'll, I'll let you start to yeah. take Ooh. a drink here <laughs>
1: yes, uh Let me just uh, go back to the previous post because uh, while you're reading that, I did look up. uh, So Labor Day weekend. um, No indie promotions of note were running uh, the Chicago area, but uh, B was doing a house show loop that weekend in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Madison, Wisconsin. And then that Monday... On Labor Day, they're at Rosemont Horizon. So b was in town, so they're competing with b even not directly on that Saturday and Sunday, but you're competing with them for ticket money when they're running on that Monday.
0: But maybe you're also piggybacking in the aspect of, oh, you can make it a whole Wrestle Weekend. It's a holiday weekend. We yeah, know you're going to Rome, on they, you know? Um, actually, so no, 2009 was, in my opinion, I don't have the stats here, and we didn't have Wrestleomics back then, <laughs> but in 2009 had to be one of the worst years I would say in popularity for WWE. I know for yeah, me it, it was it, pretty bad. 2008, 2009, was 2008, bad. 2009 were bad years. Yeah.
1: Oh, and and what did come up? Uh, they were also competing with NWA Upstate at the German House in Rochester with the main event of Pepper Parks against Danny Doring. <laughs>
0: oh, no. so just I just ringing out Danny as best weekend.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I roughed the show too. Oh, no, no. that would have been the time I would have uh, been working there. But um so yeah, back to the notes, like everything that uh Dave pontificated there. Uh he's not too far off. Where Dragon Gate does have the advantage of uh not having a lot of overhead. Where Ring of Honor at this time has a lot of expenses. They've got employees, they've got an office staff, they have uh they would have their building at this time, their office space. So they already have all of that that they have to pay. Now, obviously they're, they're a much more established brand. They're selling DVDs, but, um, yeah, they're kind of beyond the eight ball with that. Um, Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate just has a Polsky and they're much smaller business model really. And even with, Just being successful, just doing self-contained shows and making money after the fact off of DVDs and and pay-per-view sets them up for more success than of or this era, in my opinion.
0: The expectations of Dragon Gate were very realistic, and they knew they were a niche product, and they financially made it where... You know, five hundred attending and two to three thousand pay-per-view buys, and it's a huge success. Um, and I think they know that. I think Ring of Honor didn't realize their niche and maybe went tried to go too big at times, and then when they did then it didn't work out, then they scaled way too back, but maybe too far back that the niche didn't work. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean yeah. we can honestly see it with the last Ring of Honor run before Tony Khan. Because we look at the Ring of Honor of 2018 to, you know, just, yeah, Ring of Honor of 2018 to 2019, um, you know, you got a lot of big names, you know, and they're doing the show in New Japan and, and all that, and, uh, but even that show in New Japan, you look at the Ring of Honor representation because the Bucks and Kenny and others left, and Cody, it wasn't the star power they had. Yeah. And then they just scaled back, and the budget just went down, 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 and then they weren't even satisfying the niche.
1: Yeah, but even even during that, like, that's – when you look at that, like, they were – I would say Ring of Honor during that era when you had Cody and the Bucks and Omega, uh, they were – it wasn't even, wasn't even Omega mostly because he was mostly still in, in Japan. It was mostly the Bucks and – and Kenny, or the Bucks and Cody. Um, But they were, I I would, I feel confident saying that they were more dependent on ticket sales during that era than what people might think of what they were doing, which were what people thought they would have been, would have been TV and uh, pay-per-view revenue, honor club money. I think house show attendance meant a lot more to them and was more a bigger percentage of their revenue then. Because um, a lot of those house shows they were doing at that time were were drawing hundreds of fans. Like, they were doing really well during that era. And I guess it's very hard to tell because we don't know exact numbers from uh, from Sinclair. Even when Sinclair would say... Would say like, oh, it's five hundred thousand people watch Rig of Honor* TV every week, or whatever. I think, I think one of the numbers they said like four hundred fifty thousand or something. Um, it's almost impossible to to know that because of how many airings the show does, and on how many networks, and and and, and you know it with with uh, Nielsen. It that might not even be tracked if it's on a smaller network. So like, It's s- almost impossible.
0: I said this when Ring of Honor was owned by Sinclair uh, when I was just starting on WrestleNomics. The fa- The fact that they weren't put on the Yes Network was probably the biggest blow. I mean, they owned 50% of the, the Yes Network. The Yes Network, it was in a ton of cable homes. Inc- you know, and, and obviously yeah. huge in New York market. And the Yes Network—if you ever watch it—if it's not Yankees ba- baseball or, or, or Nets basketball, it's reruns of the Michael Kay show, <laughs> or at least it was last time I had cable. Um, but there's not a lot of creative programming on that, you know.
1: Yeah, it would have been something that would have got them out there, but instead they were just doing syndicated shows. And as far, as far as we know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think their TV, like their Sinclair deal, wasn't. Like it wasn't like an ad buy type thing where like I think Sinclair and the local stations got a hundred percent of all the revenue in that and I mean it wouldn't have mattered in any ways, it would have been like a WCW Turner deal, where like if the station paid Ring of Honor for the for the programming, it would have just been like moving it on the balance sheet from one column to the next. But overall it was just like it just was free programming that Sinclair was paying for so it wasn't like basically at cost i guess what i'm trying to say it's not like sinclair was just paying the bill for ring of honor to run and not really considering tv as part of that so in so revenue would have been mostly house shows that would have been what they would have looked at for that and yeah like they there was a lot they could have done they could have put it on the yes network they could have uh they could have Continuing to explore the Destination America deal uh, when they were airing on there for that brief six or eight week period.
0: They also had the deal well, with um, they were doing Comet. They were on Comet for a little bit, too. Yes, I remember. And that. they were on Stadium as well. All these things that were owned by Sinclair. But the Yes Network would have been the that.
1: Well, yeah, like, Yes Network is nationwide. You.
0: That would have been the coup de gras. That would have been great for them. Um, you could, I mean, people could be watching Yankee games and be like, "Ring of Honor Thursday nights at ten o'clock." Like, that's huge. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, that, that, that's huge.
1: Yeah, they had the, they they had all of the tools in place. They just never took advantage of it. Yep,
0: yeah. but. Yeah, that was the thing in Ring of Honor. When they tried to grow, they didn't make the right decisions, uh, and then when when it, when they didn't realize they were a niche, they tried to grow, didn't make right decisions. Then when it backfired, they cut the budget below the, to set below what would satisfy the niche audience. Yeah, know, and, yeah, and yeah, a, a, uh, a lot of great guys that we know were on that roster before Tony Khan bought it. But it, if you look at stack that roster up against previous rosters, it did not have the star power.
1: Yeah, and that's that's another whole
0: uh discussion and I got good friends that were on that roster. Very good friends. Oh
1: yeah. Um that's a whole another discussion too that was hitting on that war too, where like, yeah, you 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 acclimate your fans to a certain level of of talent and if you have to cut that down because of the budget, the fans are gonna realize that, especially when uh, you're mostly you're you're mostly running just standalone events, or you're running monthly shows, and their TVs just just out there. Like if you do a show and you don't have two three your singlers stars, like it hurts, and fans aren't going to buy tickets for that.
0: Yeah. And I th- and you know just to kind of spin us back to the topic at hand, Drengay knew that they knew they didn't have this two to three year customer base and made it realistic for people. Now, you know, obviously as this goes on. We'll talk about growth and growth can kill a company or help a company. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about what it really does for, for Dragon Gate as we go on. Um, but yeah, uh, just the, uh, other points of this diatribe. And we really kind of talk about really knowing that they're a niche product. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much the big theme of this, is really knowing what you are, and I, and I think Dragon Gate did in the beginning. At least the beginning. Uh, September 8, 2009, for the Figure Four Weekly, notes from the second Dragon Gate pay-per-view taping this past Sunday night, uh, said to be a, another excellent show. The building wasn't close to sold out, but they drew 500 or so. Uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler were there doing autographs before the show, and Ross stayed for most. But not all of the show said he loved what he saw. On his next blog, uh, next Chicago show is January twenty third, two thousand and ten. Couldn't say the whole time. I wonder if that's how they got Ross and Lawler. Now that I think about it,
1: because they're in town anyways. Because
0: Ross the next Raw. day. Yeah. Well, at um, the time, it would have been
1: Lawler and Cole. Yeah, because Ra- was
0: Ross down at that with Foley.
1: I believe so, yeah. But yeah, Ross would be there anyways. Yeah, he'd he'd be in town, he would have came in town anyways for that weekend.
0: Uh september fourteenth, two thousand nine, uh several of the Dragon Gate wrestlers opened the US tour with the September fourth show in Reseda, California for PWG. So maybe that's why they didn't run LA. Uh Doy pinned Joy Ryan. Uh Takagi pinned El Generico in uh, a great match with tons of near falls. I'd, I'd like to see Takagi and Generico. That'd be good. Uh, said to be one of the hottest crowd reactions for a match in PWG history, Shima and Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley beat the Young Bucks and Brian Kendrick. Uh, Bucks worked his heels here. Shima pinned Kendrick to take the match. Crowd was hot for this one as well. Main event saw Brian Danielson win the PWG title from Chris Hero in about 45 minutes in another great match. Paul London came out after the match to congratulate Danielson. Danielson cut a promo thanking everyone, and then vacated the title, which will be decided on November twentieth and November twenty-first at the Battle of Los Angeles. Um, that's when he goes to WWE, right?
1: Yeah, he's on his way. He's on his way to WWE at
0: this point. He's on his way to be on NXT with Coach Miz. Oh, he had a he had a strange beginning, didn't he? <laughs> Uh, he was one of the guys that no one
1: thought was going to make it because of his style.
0: Yep. Uh, whether the Dragon Gate USA experiment will have lags or not, uh, given a strong clue either way, after its second event on September 6th at the Congress Theater in Chicago, the company's first pay-per-view was well-received. Based on our responses, it did not do as well as the biggest Ring of Honor pay-per-view shows did, but did better than the recent shows done. Some who had purchased Ring of Honor regularly were negative on the price increase to $20, Ring of Honor was doing 995 to 1495. As far as correlation, um, if the company was hoping for 4000 5000 buys as an indicator, they may have done it. But the first show is not the issue. It's the ability to consistently follow up. The Ring of Honor experiment was notable because virtually every show got a great reception, but people who raved about it did not necessarily uh, then continue to buy. It, all traditional methods of what does and doesn't sell to the masses doesn't apply here because they're going with the idea that they don't have a prayer except with a small select group and are hoping to get that small group into regularly buying pay-per-view shows and DVD releases. You would think with the product being the quality of the matches that delivers super matches to hardcore fans will mean consistent repeat business, perhaps with little growth but still consistent but so consistent. Ring of Honor's numbers show the opposite. When it comes to every other product on pay-per-view, doing a great pay-per-view or a poor pay-per-view usually has almost no bearing on how the show will do ne- next will do, even though people will loudly complain about, how, about a bad show and tons of people will claim it. They were swearing off the product. It's all about the hype and star power, and without television, there's never going to be those elements. Costs are being kept down, but whether they can maintain good numbers is the big question. The second live show, which we air on pay per view on September, I'm sorry, November sixth, which was said to have two matches: Brian Danielson versus Noruki Doi and Davey Richards, uh, who will be promoted as the top star in the group versus Shingo Tagagi. Better than anything on the first show, drew an estimated 550 fans. It's okay if the pay per view numbers remain consistent at the level being hoped uh, hoped for. Being on Labor Day weekend didn't help the show either, but in a big city with a great wrestling history, you'd hope for more. Uh, and another group had run on Labor Day weekend on pay per view. The weekend, uh, and if another group had run on Labor Day weekend on pay per view, the weekend would, prob- would probably only slightly hurt numbers. Uh, plus, the biggest star in the show, Danielson, won't be back. Shows three and four on t- will be September. I'm sorry, November 28th in Philadelphia, which will be a tournament to crown the first Dragon Gate USA champion, and January 23rd back in Chicago. There's talk of adding a third location in New York but the high cost of doing business in New York have slowed it down. It's noted that with all the expenses of running the Manhattan Center, a crowd of 500 will be disastrous. It's not clear what will, what will or won't air in pay-per-view, so they taped seven matches in only two hours. They didn't want to edit matches. Danielson vs. Doi and Richards vs. Tagagi have to be on the show. The Young Bucks, who are being highlighted, also have to be on. Dragon Gate, uh, Dragon Kids vs. Masayushina were said to have a better match than their first match. The Jakara match is probably the weakest due to Quackenbush and and Jigsaw not being 100%, but they want good relations with the promotion. The other match uh, is Shiva vs. Brian Kendrick. Said it'd be a good match, but not a great match, and even called disappointing in comparison to the rest of the show, but Kendrick is also the best-known name on the show. In a dark match, Hollow Wicked won over Eric Cannon, Flip Kendrick, Mustafa Ali, Johnny Gargano, The Great Malachi. Lewis London and Shima Zion. This was a rumble style, but using pinfalls and submissions instead of over the top rope, a high spot style match ending with hollow wicked pitting Gargano. Okay. I want to talk about that dark match. Uh, let's kind of talk about what Dave was talking before I started reading out that results. Um, how was five fifty disappointing when they wanted five hundred? That's what I don't understand sometimes when Dave words things. Uh, the they Dave is Dave. they were targeting five hundred in Chicago. Yeah, five fifty. Oh, holiday weekend. That's probably why they only drew five fifty. That's what they wanted.
1: That's <laughs> still that's still good for holiday weekend for a company that for a company in their position. Yeah,
0: and four to five thousand fans. Well, they might not get in the second time around. They wanted two to three thousand pay-per-view buys. So if you're if Dave's right on this, and they go down, it will still be higher than their estimate that they wanted.
1: Yeah, and and also it's not they're not airing live, so they're airing on tape. So, uh, even if they only get two thousand immediately during the debut, two three months later when the pay-per-view goes out there. That's gonna keep growing and growing over over the course of the, the course of months and, and years for that, especially with the DVDs. It's not like it's not like a live stream today where the vast majority of people are gonna watch it live. There's when you're putting it out there after the fact, it has replay value. So like they definitely went above and beyond expectations with that.
0: Uh, so, let's talk about the dark match. Uh, Eric Cannon, Ohala Wicked. Uh, I think Ohala Wicked's still around. Pops up here and there.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't work uh, as often because I think he's been doing it for 20 years by now. Um, let me look, actually, no, he hasn't worked since last October.
0: Okay, I know uh, he was doing shows in twenty one.
1: Yeah, um, he did. Uh, yeah, twenty twenty one. He did uh, JCW. He did LVAC, um BSP. He did Ring of Honor. He had Ring of Honor brief uh, stint. Um, yep. Can't believe Frog. So he's he's basically been doing, sticking around. Uh, Philadelphia, to like the yeah the Philadelphia area on there.
0: Uh Eric Cannon um I mean Minnesota Mainstay uh part-time wrestler now I think. I think he's scaled back a little bit but he's running first wrestling if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, and he's still Which does
0: some great shows.
1: Yeah, he's part-time but he's still doing AEW Dark. Like every time anytime AEW is yeah. up in that area, he's he's an extra for them. So, yeah, he's still not, not regularly working every weekend, but he's still getting out there and keeping active.
0: Yeah, solid dude, too. I've gotten to share at least one locker room. Really nice guy. Uh, Flip Kendrick. Uh, Flip Kendrick. Well, I'll, go, I'll skip a little. Flip Kendrick and Lewis London. They were around a lot in this period. I think they're still working. I know AIW they were working and,
1: yeah, they're main, and others. Yeah, they were a mainstay in AIW. I don't think. I don't think Flip's done anything since the pandemic.
0: Uh, the I great Malachi, uh, which I have no idea who that is, <laughs> or great Milwaukee maybe it is, uh, all right, yeah, and he's,
1: let's, he's, he's out of Chicago, um, he hasn't done anything in about six years. Okay. And let's he, talk he about, made, he made the rounds, he did zero one, uh, oh, okay. in Japan for a while, um, and a be on fire guy.
0: And let's talk about the three, the other three people in this dark match, um, Shima Zion, who uh is currently in NXT, well, I think going to the main roster. Um that uh what 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 is his he was DJ Z, but what was what is his name now? I always forget. Yaquin Wilde. Yeah, Queen Wild. Yeah, Queen Joaquin Wild. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Queen, um Mustafa Ali, which I think people forget how far back Mustafa Ali's career goes. Um and he's he was native Chicago and dream he was doing a lot of shows for Dreamwave um around this time and a few years after that uh
1: Yeah uh he was doing Dreamwave I think he was doing um did a lot of NWA affiliates during that time um he did some Chicago back then he did, definitely did IWA mid south just Pretty much as everyone was doing at yeah. the time. Everyone
0: popped in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we obviously know Mustafa Ali. Uh, probably should be a bigger star than, than he's pushed as. Uh, but incredible talent. And then Johnny Gargano. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's been making some headlines lately, huh? Um. Probably one of the biggest stars in wrestling now. A very smart man the way he handled his free agent situation. Um granted, he had very, very good reasons for just not jumping out there. Uh I, you know, I think
1: I think luck just landed in his lap when he decided I'm gonna take problem. some time off and not jump to signing a contract with a company in Jacksonville.
0: Or just any company. Oh, yeah, um, NA Company. Just apparently, there was a company based in Canada that runs a lot of shows in Nashville that our guests really wanted him as well. I don't know right. if the money was there, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm just saying, like, him holding out just worked out perfectly because who would have known yeah. uh, a certain individual would have to resign his post after
0: 40 <laughs> years? But, yeah, man. Um, so you could see. Like it's almost so ring of honor. I I don't think people give Gabe enough, gave enough credit. Um, so Gabe starts in ring of honor and he finds the youngest, hottest indie talent and they progress with his company and they t- end up being big stars in the business. Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, um. uh I mean, Davy Richards. All that we could, you know, go on and on. But the big three: Joe, Punk, Danielson. You know, you can even add Shelley, Alex Shelley, in here. There's a lot of names you could throw in there. He goes to Dragon Gate, and this is Dragon Gate slash Evolve. When I make this point, and he finds guys like Johnny Gargano, and Matt Riddle, and uh austin theory and others and now they're huge stars
1: i mean even going back guys like ethan page
0: yeah yes
1: finding guys like him just yeah air fox
0: he was Um, finally getting a shot with a major major company yeah should have happened years ago uh at one point the guy was the greatest high flyer in the country and to be honest with you, he might go down as probably one of the greatest wrestling trainers ever. Yeah, <laughs> with with how he's doing. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean the list goes on and on. I, I you know, uh, I could think of talent that 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 Gabe have seen in this Dragon Gate USA. I mean, Ch- Tommaso Ciampa. Rich uh, Swan, Rich Swan, um. It, 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 it It's just It's insane I mean, We just all about Hiroshima Zion Mustafa Ali Like You can't You can't say Gabe didn't have An eye for talent Oh you know? no I don't
1: think anyone Doubts that Even Even talent like Zack Sabre Jr. That Really didn't get Out there In the U.S. As much Until uh, Until Evolve uh, Actually
0: Timothy Thatcher Is another one Gulak, Drew Gulak, like those are <laughs> like
1: even even names even guys like um, Drew McIntyre, yeah. Where yeah, he didn't build McIntyre, but McIntyre, uh, McIntyre was a member of Three MB when he got released from WWE, and Gabe took him and tur- like pushed him as a serious worker, and you know got him to the level he is at right now.
0: Um, we'll, uh, we'll continue on with this show results here. Uh, Dragon Kid, uh, Pin Masato Yoshino, uh, White Quackabush and Jigsaw beat Granakuma and Yamato. The Young Bucks and Matt and Nick Jackson came out and said, uh, Haraguchi and Saito were cowards for not putting the titles up. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs and Mustafa Ali came out, uh, crowd pops huge for Jacobs. Uh, apparently Jacobs was being brought in with the idea of giving people a big surprise that are no longer long term plans, uh, Jacobs offered to bring the Bucks into a stable, noting that he can make them stars. They turned him down. Jacobs and Ali then attacked the Bucks, but they made their own comeback. Um, uh, I'm gonna skip over some of the uh, some of the m- meat for the results here, so it doesn't get too wordy. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, a lot of his opinions, anyways.
0: Um, but yeah, Jimmy Jacobs jumped. Uh, from Ring of Honor to Dragon Gate. And that's the thing, like, he was picking good pieces off of Ring of Honor. Now, some were working both, but Ring of Honor didn't traditionally do that.
1: Yeah, but there are also guys that probably kind of figured they ran their course in in Ring of Honor, and it's time for something new.
0: Um... New Ricky Doy, uh pinned Brian Danielson in uh, 22 minutes to 26 uh, seconds here. Uh, Danielson was asked to give a speech. It was tricky because he was told not to give a farewell speech, given it's his first time working for the promotion. Plus, he's coming back to Chicago and ring him out of for two, in two weeks. Um, interesting. So maybe that's why they did the New York, November thing, because they're already suffering in September. So they're like, let's get ahead of him in November. Yeah, Uh, the goal of the speech was him passing the torch to Richards as the best of the world, which unfortunately is not a mantle you could pass. He said he probably won't be having matches like this anymore and had not even had the best match on most of the shows he'd been on this year. He's told Richards that it's up to him to be the new best of the world and thinks he could do it. Uh, Shima pin, pin Brian Kendrick in 10 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, Richards beats Akagi in 25 minutes and 45 uh, seconds here. Uh, Silver compared to Undertaker versus Michaels at WrestleMania. Um, after the match, Richards said this was the kind of wrestling people <laughs> had missed seeing to a big cheer. Uh, he called out Danielson. Danielson put him over his new best of the world, but Richards attacked Danielson. The angle seemed to be uh, to work because it came off when people weren't expecting an angle. Uh, and then in your main event, Horiguchi and Saito, uh, the Open the Twin Gate champions beat the Young Bucks in 17 minutes and 4 seconds. Crowd chanted a huge uh, H-A-G-E at Hiraguchi. Total face CS he st- heel style uh, with the Bucks. Uh, the ref was knocked down, so the Bucks did a spot where the one does a 450 and the other does a moonsault on Saito. Uh, but no ref to, to count. Hiraguchi spit the miss into Matt's face, allowing Saito to get the pin. Well, I wanted say the result for that because it's such an old-school finish. <laughs> In a uh, in a modern style match. Um but yeah, uh, thoughts on that Ash. Uh eh. match. Um or just no. in general the whole card, yeah. Yeah. Um I mean this is their second show and some good say maybe not as good as the first show. You know, knowing that Danielson was not gonna come back, I think that th- they give a kind of a weird feeling to it.
1: Yeah. Um I could see that it being not as strong as the, the first time out, but that's that's not out of the ordinary for for many companies. You get that uh you get that the second show, you can never top that first show. You always go all out for the first show. And second, fans always kind of feel cheap, kind of feel shorted.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because it's you know it's not what you think it is, and you're going to get less people anyways because it's not the first time. So now you have a lot of critical uh, loyalists, I guess. of the Second show. Um, September 29, two thousand nine. Uh, figure four weekly. Signed thus far for the November twenty eighth Dragon Gate USA. Uh, drink Gate USA Tourney to crown the first singles champion. Davey Richards, Mike Quackenbush, uh, Shima, Brian Kendrick, Super Crazy, and Yamato. Uh, they also announced a new partnership with FIP in Florida. Interesting. <laughs> Which will be providing a bonus match of the newest DVD. Also, there will be a Buy First and Second Row Golden Circle tickets. We'll get a free compilation DVD called The Independent Tour de Force. Which will feature matches from Chikara, AEW, FIP, and other promotions. So Gabe calling in all the favors on this one, yeah. um, but also too uh, FIP, who had a partnership with Ring of Honor, and, and now and now we get to the date.
1: next uh, <laughs> the next note,
0: which sell, uh, Hammer Wise, uh, FIP really becomes part of the you know the World Wrestling Network with. Sapolsky, which we'll talk about probably in the next episode. Um, but October 5th, 2009, uh, Ring of Honor is no longer working with Sal Hemauai, uh, who ended up all the editing and copying of DVDs, supplying the cameras and shooting the stars as well as his home was the place where they did most of the editing. Uh, Hemauai is going to law school and Ring of Honor is going to take the DVD process in-house. Uh, which will likely mean several changes. Hamaway uh, and his full impact promotion will be working with Dragon Gate USA. Not sure what that means for who does the announcing on the DVDs uh, going forward since they would put the voice track on in Hamaway's studio. So, so it's, this is- it's, it's, it's interesting that that's, that's what they were doing in Ring of Honor for the first ten years of their existence or nine years.
1: Yeah, and then this is a very big change in the company where now they take everything in-house in Baltimore and they're doing it themselves Um, where, yeah, now they're not outsourcing and it sounds like now they have to buy cameras, Mm -hmm. which from what I've heard from uh, people there and I think – I believe Cornette as well that – uh, Ring of Honor never had the best cameras, and even after Sinclair bought them, they just had the old cameras from the news division that were just left over and half broken.
0: All right, now uh, on to October 19, 2009, uh, Observer, uh, the Open the Freedom Gate title tournament on November 28th will end up in th- with 13 competitors. Uh, the first will be have two singles matches, a three-way and a six-way. Uh, first pit and fall wins in both matches. The four winners will then go on to a championship match, a four-man elimination match. The updated list of competitors are Davy Richards, Shima, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, BXB, Hulk, Mike Quackabush, Brian Kendrick, Super Crazy, and Yamato. With a one three-way of Crazy vs. Quackabush for Shima already announced. The idea is to have a theme where every first-round match has a story behind it. The match is being called a tribute to Sky because all three members trained by Jorge Rivera. Uh, The winner of the tournament defends against Dragon Kid on November 23rd in Chicago. Dragon Kid and Shingo Takagi versus Osiroshino and Doi is also on the November 28th show. Plus Eddie Kingston debuts. Eddie Kingston is another one actually that Gabe uh, used a lot. That definitely didn't get the, uh, the appreciation and admiration until two thousand and what twenty? Yeah. Um I mean he did some impacts his ring of honor stuff, but uh yeah, so you know, we hear there's gonna be sing- four singles matches and then a four way. So eight competitors and then now we have thirteen. <laughs> Um, and then announced here is what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they have nine announced here. So, what I think it was was they had one more than eight, and they're like, All right, let's just get five more or four more, I should say, because 13 is a very odd number, yeah. Uh, there was some Ring of Honor news that kind of relates to this here on that uh, on that Observer. Uh, the new DVD announcing team will be Dave Prasak and Chris Hero. Lenny Letter and Prasak will continue as the team on Dragon Gate USA shows. Leonard was used because he lives in Central Florida and they were doing voiceovers in Florida. But they've moved the voiceover sessions to being in-house in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Uh, correction from a few weeks ago, Sal Hamway has already graduated law school. His less time in wrestling is because he's currently studying for the bar and doing more outside of wrestling projects. As it pertains to Dragon Gate, they're doing the commentary live at the show instead of at Hamwise House, which is how they did the Ring of Honor commentary.
1: And then there's a correction on that as well.
0: <laughs> and the correction is that Dave Fraser will not be doing the announcing for Drangay USA shows, Lenny Leonard, who's no longer announcing for Ring of Honor DVDs, will be the lead announcer for Gate, and they're doing Revolving Color, guys. Um,
1: Poor Dave. He got a a gig and lost it, and you probably didn't even realize it.
0: uh, Prazak and Lenny are great together. Lenny Leonard and Dave Prazak are just absolutely phenomenal together. Um, So it's kind of a breaking in the band between basically being the rift booth with ring of honor Dragon Gate here. Uh but uh definitely and I think they I wanna say they did some stuff together for G C W maybe.
1: Yes, I actually produced them.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, uh
1: yeah. it was definitely a pleasure. Um <laughs> what an experience. They are both awesome at what they do. Um I produce Dave and K G pretty much every G C W show at this point, but uh
0: yeah, good for Praiseck being like the regular guy now.
1: Yeah. Um but we had Lenny for a while, uh coming in for some shows and I think uh,
0: he's retiring, I guess, now. Yeah, he just actually announced
1: that this past week. Uh he put he put out, uh just moving on to another phase of his career. Um another phase of life. Um, like I said, really good guy. And yeah, him and Dave are top notch. Like I would put them up against some WWE teams. Um they are, they are top-notch at what they do.
0: All right. Uh, moving on here uh, to November 2nd, 2009. Both Ring of Honor and Dragon Gate will be holding shows WrestleMania week in Phoenix this year. Ring of Honor announced a March 26th evening show and March 27th afternoon show, so it would end in time for the Hall of Fame ceremonies at Phoenix College Inn. Uh, Dragon Gate also announced a March 26th evening show and March 27th show at the Celebrity Theater where the Hall of Fame ceremony is taking place. Um, Interesting. Uh, That's very interesting. So that must be like a theater that has like multiple venues. I would Um, imagine. Yeah, let Celebrity... Theater in
1: Look. Phoenix. Yeah, they have a room that's in the round, um with a stage, and then what looks like a a little bigger, bigger room there. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have. They must have multiple rooms because I'm seeing uh several different sizes
0: of of a. Uh, they what do a lot of MMA and boxing and concerts. It looks like, and also they do some stand-up specials too. Um, I
1: mean, that was during the the time period that um, WWE was running the Hall of Fame in much smaller buildings and and didn't try to get exclusive rights to each building.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, people forget, like, I wanna say probably seventeen is when it became really popular probably. Uh, to have like a whole fan fest weekend. Um, with conventions and tons of indie shows with names from the past and names of the future and all that. Uh but it was happening as far back as I think oh five, oh six. Right, I know Ring of Honor obviously did it with that six man, that Dragon Gate six man in those six. So
1: so I think either Dave was wrong or they had changed it because from, I looked it up uh, that the 2010 Hall of Fame was actually the Dodge Theater.
0: They probably changed it. Dave was probably right at that time. But yeah, I found it weird that they'd be running the same venue. You would think the Hall of Fame would be a much bigger deal, you know? Yeah. Than a company that only needs 550 to draw to, to be successful. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: they ran. They ran the Dodge Theater, which seats five thousand, which sounds about right for the Hall of Fame.
0: All right. Here, uh, November uh, two thousand nine, Figure Four Weekly, Dragon Gate USA announced that they're running WrestleMania weekend, and they will be running Head to Head with Ring of Honor on Friday and perhaps Saturday afternoon as well. Friday is confirmed. Saturday is not. But the plan is to run the show in the same building w is Ring Hall of Fame. So here, Alvarez is saying as well so obviously they have to be done early in the afternoon so WWE can set up. I suppose they might do a morning show that will allow fans to see uh, both and go from one show to the other. Davey Richards has been confirmed for both Dragon Gate USA shows, meaning unless Ring of Honor and Dragon Gate don't go ahead to head on Saturday and he's willing to work three times that weekend, he'll be exclusive to Dragon Gate USA. How funny is that comment now, knowing that some guys wrestle eight, nine, ten times a WrestleMania weekend?
1: Yes, and,
0: uh... uh In so Dallas, what would Cole Radrick do? Like, eight shows? Yes. <laughs> Cole it <and> a lot. <laughs> I know that.
1: Um, no, but... I- so, so obviously, like, Brian said it too, so it wasn't just Dave getting it wrong, where, uh... But how crazy is that, where, like, WB has to wait for an indie fed to get done so they can set up for a Hall of Fame? Like just reading that, you just got to think about it. Yeah, like you could tell WWE was WWE was not going to go through
0: that. They would want that venue the whole day. Yeah, because
1: they have to to clean. Even even if you do, even if um, Dragon Gate were to start at noon or at two, and like oh they'll be done by five, and then Hall of Fame starts at eight. Like no, WWE's not going to put up with that. WWE would pay the building to lock it in for the entire weekend.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely Yeah. And that's I think that's what would have happened. I think like they probably did a check up at the Subway Theater, hey, are we good for the they to be like, oh, just so you know we have another show, but uh okay, and they probably contacted a few venues and they're like, Oh, all right, yeah, sorry, yeah, we're we're not running a venue. Yeah. That, that that that's probably exactly what happened. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, yes, Drengay toured Europe. This was Drengay proper to turn tour this week. Uh, uh which said to be very good shows. They ran a show in Barcelona on the 30th, uh, that saw Sean South with a win a four nations cup four way dance, also featuring Pac. Madrill and Generico, Shingo and Dragon Kid beat the Young Bucks, Quackenbush beat Paul Tracy, and Noroki Doi and Masi Yoshino uh, and BXB Hulk beat Shima, and Susumi Yokosuka, and Kegatora. Uh, so much for the Doi taking time off to treat a neck injury. The show in Germany drew 441 paid, being the record set by the WXW Noah in the summer of 08. Top matches saw Shima beat Quackenbush in what's said to be the best match of the night doing bxb hulk and Zack saber jr beat saido haraguchi and emil stochi uh absolute andy beat shingo in the main event for the wxw title not making that main event up uh crowd was said to be burned out by the time the main rolled around but still to be very good the show in england on sunday was said to be awesome with shingo versus sumi yokosuka and young bucks and shima first BXP bulk park and rookie doi both said to be in the four and three quarters stars range and match of the year candidates or match year contenders. Um We'll stop there and go to the second part. Uh, you know, just watching this more and more while well, watching, uh, just reading this more and more and, and going over this. You, now you see why there was a partnership with Shima uh, in the beginning of AEW. He clearly, clearly Worked a lot with the Bucks in their formidable years.
1: Yeah, there was that loyalty going on there.
0: Um, Zach Saber Junior, a young Zack Saber Junior here. You uh, know, and I and here's it. This is what's crazy about Dragon Gate USA is you're seeing literally the future of AEW, New Japan, and WWE in a lot of these of results. <laughs> like. Yeah. That would be to probably the lowest extent, but you're seeing a lot of the future of what would be uh, for AEW and New Japan. Uh, the second Dragon Gate USA pay per view, called Open the Untouchable Gate, a Chicago reference, was pretty much the exactly what reports stated it was a really good show that wasn't good as a debut pay per view, but featured at least one match better than anything on that show. Uh, where the first show had a ton of four star matches, but nothing approaching a match of the year candidate, the show had a ton of three and a half star. Matches plus a really good Brian Danielson match and, uh, and a Davey Richards match that will not only get a bunch of match of the year votes but also get him a bunch of either wrestler of the year or most likely best technical wrestler votes. Uh, he's had some out of this world matches in 09 with Brian Danielson saying publicly that he couldn't go like he used to due to injuries and that Richards was new, the new best in the world. Here we are years later and Danielson could still be called the best in the world. <laughs> Uh, still, if you're a fan of pro wrestling, uh this show is not to be missed, especially since it'll be about 1495 in most systems and a Richards matches must see. The show, which was taped on September 6th at the haunted okay, Congress Theater in Chicago, <laughs> is scheduled to debut on pay-per-view November 6th. The next show, Open the Freedom with the 13 Man Tournament to Crown the Champion, will be taped November twenty-eighth in the <laughs> arena in Philadelphia and air in January of two thousand and ten. Um do you think they did their title tournament too late? Do you no. think that should have been in the Chicago show?
1: No. Um I th- think I think a big mistake a lot of new feds could do uh is have a title tournament their first show or their second show right off the bat. Uh put out the best product possible, because if you do a title tournament, you're binding your hands. You're basically stuck booking that tournament and you're going to get really good matches, but you can't really get the variety that you need to hook the fans. And you want the fans, the first, the, the first image they have of your product, you want it to be the best that it can be. And even though like we've discussed our tournaments already about how, how we both fans of tournaments, uh, that's something where, you need to have the fan base ready to support that.
0: Alright, uh moving on here to the November uh let's see here yeah, November ninth, two thousand nine. Um uh observer right? I'm on the right pace here, right? Yes, yeah, no sorry, November ninth, uh, two thousand nine. Observer here. Um Really, it's kind of the same stuff, going over the pay-per-view matches and everything, because it's almost like they watched it a second time.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of double reviews uh, during yeah. that period, just because of the pay-per-view. So it really wasn't anything of of note in there.
0: Um, yeah, basically, Untouchables now on pay-per-view, and they do a review of the pay-per-view. I do love the Haunted Congress Theater. Maybe they did an angle with ghosts. Who knows? Uh, so, uh, there's some no uh, results here, though. So, this is one thing we have to remember, is that Dragon Gate is trying international expansion, right? So, they're doing their own thing in Japan, and at this point they got... Pro- Noah's probably having the best years uh, of what they're doing. Um, so, it's it's Noah and Dragon Gate almost kind of going uh, at each other. And uh, not the traditional one and two, would uh, normally in Japan, but this is probably their good time period until you know New Japan in a couple of years becomes the clear number one. Uh, but uh, they're they're trying to go international here, so we're talking about what they're doing in the USA, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, a couple of shows in Europe and the continuing the Europe here. So October thirtieth mm-hmm. in Barcelona, uh, Rio, this true three hundred, Ryo Saido and Jin- Kiki Horiguchi. Uh, beat Ronan Ryder and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Lee Flynn beat Barricade. Noam Dar, there's another star of the future there, beat Colin McClay. uh Shingo Takagi beat Dragon Kid. Uh, beat, uh, I'm sorry, Shingo Takagi and Dragon Kid beat the Young Bucks. Sean South won a four-way over El Generico. Uh, Mandrill and Pac. Mike Quackabush beat Paul Tracy. Masato Yoshino and Doy beat BXB Hulk. And, uh, I'm sorry, Masato Yoshino and Doy and BXB Hulk beat Shima and Yokosuka and Kagatora. Yeah. Sometimes I hate how the way Dave lists results. <laughs> uh, Germany uh, with WXW, uh, which is still going strong to this day. Uh, Young Bucks beat Tommy End and Mark Haskins. Tommy End is Alistair Black. Malachi uh, Black? Yeah, oh, Malachi Black, yeah. Here I am saying his WWE name. Uh, Kagatori beat Bad Bones. Uh Yokosuka won a four-way over Dragon Kid, Yoshino, and Generico. Shima beat Quackabush, Doyen BXB Hulk, and Zack Sabre Jr. beat Saito, Hiroguchi and Satoshi. And Absolute Andy beat Takagi. Uh, and then in England here, Oxford, England, Dragon Gate 500 sellout, Lion Kid beat Sticks, Ryo Saito and Genkai Jen, uh beat Johnny Storm and Martin Squirrel. Uh, Mark Haskins beat Kagatora. Dragon Gate beat Yoshino, uh, Yokosuka beat Takagi, and BXP Hulk and Doi and Pac beat the Young Bucks and Shima in the main event. In a big coup, uh, Davey Richards will be working for Dragon Gate USA and not Ring of Honor over WrestleMania weekend. He should do all the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Richards is now touring with Dragon Gate, but the two are separate deals. The Young Bucks are also affiliated, are also working for Dragon Gate that weekend. Richards had been working in Japan for Noah, which is affiliated with Ring of Honor, but with Noah cutting back on booking foreigners due to financial issues, he was probably going to be getting limited tours, as noted, uh, by his not even being booked for the Junior Tournament. All right, yeah, so Richards uh, kind of putting a line in the sand there, you know? And I, I feel, though, he does have another lengthy Ring of Honor run, right? Or is this about right when he goes to TNA? That's all I have to say. i try to remember when him and Edwards teamed up with Ring of Honor. Um, That's a good question.
1: It would have been...
0: Because they did two CW together. Do you know when that time period was?
1: Yeah, it would have been right around this time. Um,
0: so this might be right before he like goes to then. Well,
1: because they did... Uh, let me look. They they did a NXT tryout and then went to oh they were ready and they're ready in Ring of Honor they're going
0: to uh Impact yeah I, I'm like because I don't remember them being in the beginning of the Hogan era
1: no no they weren't and
0: we're about out. to hit the Hogan era just uh, but the Bucks do come the Bucks go there in 2010.
1: Yeah, I think that should be in the notes later on. Yeah, they
0: uh January 2014. Wow. Okay, so they went there a lot later. So yeah, so he has another Ring of Honor run before <laughs> before that happens, for sure. Yeah, um, cause if
1: I if I remember right, that's how Davy got into two CW because we all, we were only booking Eddie in the mid 2000s, and Eddie and Davy tagged up Ring of Honor and then. Uh, that's how we were able to bring Davey in for the two CW at that point.
0: Uh, November 16, thousand nine added as a first round match in the Dragon Gate USA pay-review taping uh, on November twenty-eighth in Philadelphia with the open the Freedom Gate tournament is Jigsaw versus Grand Akuma versus Nick Jackson versus Matt Jackson versus Lince Dorado versus Johnny Gargano. Also added as Yoshino and Doi vs. Takagi and Dragon Kid. They're pushing that there won't be another Dragon Gate USA show in the Northeast for six months. The next shows will be January 20th in Chicago and then March 26th and 27th in Phoenix. Uh, Sapolsky also announced the start of a new promotion called Evolve. With more details to come over the next week, Sapolsky will partner with Sel Hamilai and Davy Richards will be involved in this project. The impression that I've got is that they will be running shows on an infrequent basis, probably the same type of schedule as Dragon Gate USA. I don't know it will be the same pay-per-view DVD-type marketing as Dragon Gate USA, but it will make sense to be. All Sapolsky has said is they're going to work around each individual's talent, strength, and weaknesses. And regards to rumors, it will be a shoot-style promotion. He said there isn't enough talent to pull that direction off. The 2010 Hall of Fame ceremony has been moved to, up to a 4 p.m. start, <laughs> so they won't have to post time limits on a scoreboard in that place, which led to a zillion complaints last year. Both Ring of Honor and Dragon Gate USA had afternoon show scheduled for Mark 27 The Phoenix are moving their start times up early and will end their shows with plenty of time for people to get to the Hall of Fame. The Dragon Gate show is in the same complex, while the Ring of Honor show is less than 10 minutes away. So no, now not this safe. Yeah, you still got it wrong, Dave. Um, a lot here, though. Uh, the Philadelphia match announcement just to get talk about like you know, Gargano's back. Lindsay Lindsay Dorado, like eye for talent, man. Definitely an eye for talent. Uh and then Evolve. <laughs> uh obviously we know what Evolve would come to be. Now it's a WWE owned property. Almost became an NXT sister promotion. I mean it was an NXT sister promotion, but it almost became like an NXT like b show? An NXT you,
1: firm. I league to NXT, which I yeah. think was like what the initial idea was before the pandemic just renewed.
0: Which it unofficially was when it wasn't owned by WWE. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like they would tell Gabe, like, we want to see this guy, we want, want you to push this guy or that guy, and yeah, basically just see if certain guys can handle uh can handle the big leagues.
0: Yeah, it was crazy during that time period where, you know, WWE doesn't open the forbidden door much more anymore. Uh, maybe they will with the new regime. But the old regime didn't really do that. But but yet, you're seeing this happen where NXT talent are, like, working Evolve weekends regularly. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, we'll move on to the figure four weekly, November 17th, uh, 2009. The WrestleMania weekend schedule at this point has ROH and Dragon Gate head-to-head on Friday night. And uh, Ring of Honor at 1 p.m. on Saturday. The Hall of Fame at 4 on Saturday and Dragon Gate at 8 p.m. on Saturday. Meaning anyone that wants to be hardcore to attend all three can. Uh, then WrestleMania on Sunday, all three days will have also have a WWE access throughout the day. TNA won't be running any shows as they already got a weekend booked in Canada. Drain Gate USA signed a deal with the Mass Republic, the first uh, integrated live event merchandising and media organization, in the United States specializing in the emerging growth of Lucha Libre. Do you know who's behind the Mass Republic? Who's that? I like how these names just come back. Kevin Klein. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Every time we do one of these episodes... Another name of a past episode pops up. Have you ever noticed?
1: I think Kleinrock has been in every episode we've
0: done, <laughs> almost. Oh, Marquez was in a lot. Kleinrock.
1: Yeah, we we haven't we haven't uh, Marquez hasn't come up in the notes yet. No,
0: he hasn't come up. Um, but yeah, uh, that's an interesting tidbit. But um, was Access doing matches at this time? I don't think they were. Um, I feel like matches at Access were a fairly newer thing in the mid-2010s. I could be wrong, though. I could be totally wrong.
1: Yeah, because I don't think they started to NXT, and yeah. there was no NXT, so FCW at this point. I mean, we could be totally wrong. Um, yeah,
0: but, but suffered, I feel I the point of Access matches were to really just kill the Russell Khan shows.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, january 23rd 2009 they've announced uh, that the march 28th show in phoenix which will be taped for pay-per-view will start at 8 p.m with they'll be doing the hall of fame at 4 p.m they're running that night uh ring of honor is going to uh be at 1 p.m the shows will be at the celebrity theater in phoenix including a march 27th head-to-head show with the first ring of honor show here we go the hall of fame will be at the dodge theater which is a different location about 15 minutes away Announced uh, for January 23rd in Chicago is the winner of the November 28th tournament to determine the first open of the Freedom Gate title. We'll defend against Dragon Kid, plus Yoshino, Doi, Takagi, or uh, well, Shingo, all coming uh, at the Mania weekend shows. They'll be bringing in more Dragon Gate guys than any show so far. Uh, Davy Richards debuts on our tour from December 2nd to December 13th. Uh, December 1st, 2009, for the figure four, uh, Evolve Wrestling has signed Davey Richards vs. Kota Ibushi for the January 16th debut show in Rahway, New Jersey. Um,
1: and what I for- don't think the notes have said um, what they're going to say here, but Evolve, it's been documented that Evolve was the brainchild of Brian Danielson. He left the Indies. Um, the, the company then attempted to be showcased around Davy Richards, and obviously with this match here it it just solidifies that
0: one thing I did want to touch on uh, just kind of a couple notes before is the launch of Evolve right and how they were saying hey this we're not going to be in the Northeast for six months or whatever and that's a great way to to, to get tickets but how much was Evolve Gabe wanted to run a little bit more and knew he couldn't overexpose the Dragon Gate product like this is a niche product that has a financial business plan that can only do six shows a year, but you know he probably had that bug. I mean, Ring of Honor he was running two to four shows a month.
1: Yeah, and and also running different areas because obviously here he's running, he's looking to uh, run New Jersey in January when he's when uh, Dragon Gate's running Chicago a few weeks later or a week later. So he's. Using it to run different areas more than more than once. More than once in a six month period. if we look at yeah, if we look at some of the early Evolve shows, um I don't want to say it's a lower budget show, but he definitely was not he was uh, using a lot more US guys and a lot more guys that were not as expensive as the fly ins. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Chuck Taylor, Cheech, Eric Cannon. There's still a good amount on here that uh, are driving. All,
0: all like, great workers,
1: yeah. But they're but, yeah, they're driving. Mercedes that. Martinez, J- Jimmy Jacobs, Ken Doan, Chris Dickinson, uh, Gargano, TJP. He's got Chicago guys on the show. Um, Brody Lee was on the first show, and he obviously drove in for that. He also had the the colony hero was local for that. So yeah, it was a it was a similar show. I think I feel like Evolve could be classified more as a Ring of Honor clone than Dragon Gate. Just because of the talent that was used and the whole the the whole concept. Um that's more in vain of what Ring of Honor was. But obviously yeah like you were saying. It's more... It seems like Gabe wanted to run more, but he just couldn't run... He couldn't run Dragon Gate multiple times. You would have killed the brand. Yeah.
0: And that's because it was so niche, you know?
1: Yeah, and Evolve mostly stuck to the Northeast, too. That's the big thing. Like, they did a bunch of... They... They spent a good amount of time in Florida as well. Um, But for the most part, they were... They were Northeast-based.
0: All right, uh, December 7, 2009, uh, after the third Dragon Gate USA show on November 28th in Philadelphia, the jury is still out on the promotion long term. The promotion was coming off two of the best pay-per-view events in years, with match quality and heat that blew most of the WWE and TNA events. Uh, But when Gabe Sapolsky announced he was working with Dragon Gate for a six-show-per-year promotion, the two things that weren't in question were show quality and that the people who came would make a lot of noise. The question was, how many would come? And what would the fan base between live tickets, pay per viewers and DVD orders be enough to keep uh, the promotion going? And those questions weren't going to be answered on the first show, where it would still be a novelty. DVD orders early are said to be very strong. Thus, no pay-per-view numbers are available. The belief is that the first show did well, and the second show probably did not. Most because in demand in most markets didn't debut the show until five days late on a Wednesday afternoon. Attendance for the debut show in Arena Philly uh, on July 25th was more than 800 uh, beat expectations, which were uh, uh, in the 500 range the second show on September 6th in Chicago did 550 and the third show in Philadelphia was at an estimated 550 there was also a major accident on the highway coming in from New York which made a 2 hour trip turn into a 5 hour trip and probably cost some walk up and there were people with tickets who turned around and went home and some who arrived as late as 10 p.m.
1: oh that the, the, the age old excuse of oh there was a car accident <laughs> There's it traffic. still
0: drew 550 and they wanted five fifty. <laughs> get off of this, Dave.
1: Dave's pessimistic for everything but AEW.
0: Oh, I, listen, I, you know I respect Dave. His long history, all that I get that. I'm not one of those shock jocks. Oh, Dave Milchard, like, like you know,
1: you, you don't work for Conrad, is what you're saying no.
0: But this stuff, like, it's like, it's a good, res- like, I don't know. Maybe I'm so indie business. Like,
1: yeah, I, I, I get it. Like everything gave
0: a lot of more than 450. I'm sure he did, but he, he, he was happy. Yeah. I it wasn't like the dude drew 50 people.
1: No, you, I you're, you're not, you're not wrong in that. That Dave just seems very pessimistic about the idea of, of Dragon Gate. I think, I think if you go back and look at all the observers from this era, Dave was just pessimistic about everything that was in Japan. Uh, the it, US
0: He was, was big big Noah big Noah guy at the time. Yeah. But yeah. US and Dragon business. Gate is Noah's rival at this point.
1: US business everywhere was down WWE impact. Not really down, down, but it, you know, the, the business itself was still in a recession. Yeah. So you know and he was pessimistic Creatively and financially. <laughs> yeah. So he was pessimistic about all that and it's hard to get him to speak favorably about stuff. I mean he is he does give the matches good Good star ratings, so he's there. It's just that it just seems like he didn't have a lot of faith in the business concept of Dragon Gate USA.
0: Um, but uh, t- moving on to this uh, at the same time, historically, Thanksgiving weekend is the second best weekend of the year to draw for wrestling, but they did decline for the first show, uh, but are still at least a decent attendance level. The advance was slow going into the last two weeks before before the show when things started picking up and the first and the final second row seat sold a few hours before the show. You, you know that Ashford promoters. Well, you know, if they sell the first and second row, they feel good. <laughs> if they do that in pre-sale, uh, the expensive seats all went slower than the first show, but they went. Uh, so the smaller attendance was in the general admission section. Uh, they were also running a Philadelphia market that ring about our papers heavily and papering a market is kill is a killer for rivals selling higher price tickets. Based on the faces and audience reactions, Sapolsky said the crowd was a lot for the 2002 to 2004 Ring of Honor fan base that no longer goes to the promotions. A lot of the sorry, uh, and it's a small audience willing to spend money on DVDs. He said he was worried two weeks before the show, but now is pretty happy with how things turned out. The show itself was based on a tournament to crown the first Open the Freedom the Gate champion, who turned out to be BxB Hulk. Uh, the show got great. Got good reviews for match quality and particularly Yamato vs. Stevie Richards and the Dragon Kid and Takagi vs. Doi and Yoshino match. Uh, some reports called the latter match the best uh, Lat Terror match, uh, the best the promotion has done, which is saying a mouthful after the Takagi vs. Richards and Danielson Doi match on the Chicago show. Sapolsky felt it was just shy of a match of the year winner because the fans didn't know the finishing move where Yoshino made Dragon Kid submit. A lot of finishers were surprises. Uh, I think many expected Richards to win the tournament, and he ended up losing to Yamato in the first round. Part of that may have been booked that way because of what people were expecting. The other surprise, since it was already announced the tournament winner, would face Dragon Kid at the next show on January 23rd in Chicago, that Dragon Kid would submit in a tag match. Uh, the idea behind it was that Dragon Kid beat, beat, had beaten Yoshino in singles on the previous two shows. It was Yoshino's time to get a win. The idea is that if Dragon Kid beats Hulk, the Dragon Kid versus Yoshino for the title would make sense with the submission. Well, if Dragon Kid beats Hulk, it makes perfect sense, but one would think that you'd want to establish a champion and a championship before bouncing it around. They teased the idea of Doi versus Yoshino versus the Young Bucks on the show. Other names announced are Shima, Jimmy Jacobs, Jigsaw, Kendrick, uh, Mo- Mochizuki, John Moxley. Quackenbush, Richards, Takagi, Super Crazy, and Yamato. Nevertheless, in this day and age, this isn't as important as answering the unanswerable question as the legs of style. As of right now, it's certainly not a failure, but another set of drops in attendance in each market on future shows wouldn't be good. All right. So, yeah. Th- so, 550 again. Yes, a drop from the original Philadelphia show, that was higher than what they wanted. Still, five fifty is pretty good for this niche promotion.
1: Yes, Uh, and
0: again, and Sapolsky, eye for talent. Yeah, John Moxley, (laughs) first person to get put John Moxley in a huge platform.
1: Yeah, and again, this is I think Dave thinking. Dave believing that ticket sales are what's going to make or break this company. And obviously it's not, it's the DVD sales and it's the pay-per-view revenue, which to this day, that's still for a good amount of super Indies. That's their bread and butter. That's where they're making more money. They're not making it on, on how on ticket revenue they're making it on streaming.
0: And just to read these uh, results here. Uh, the pre-show, guys, the pre-show, Kyle O'Reilly beat Adam Cole. Granted, it's a young Kyle O'Reilly and a young Adam Cole, but that was on the pre-show in 2009 at Dragon Gate USA. Also, John Moxley beating B-Boy, which B-Boy's had a little bit of resurgence right on the West Coast.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, he's been doing some East Coast stuff. He was with us in uh, in uh, Charlotte and Atlanta for GCW a few weeks ago. He's, he's okay. getting back out there.
0: He's also he's team. Al- well, is he team LA fights?
1: <laughs> uh yes, he is. Actually, yes, uh, he's, he's a member of the team. But um, yeah, he's uh, out there as the grizzled vet, having uh, still having bangers.
0: And it's good to see. He was definitely one of my favorites in the CCW era. Um, I think I want to say he he did Lucha Underground too, right? If I remember correctly, he may have been involved with that.
1: He's, he's made it around.
0: I could be I could be wrong. With that. Um, uh, Dave went over some of the highlights, but I'll just quickly talk about the results here. Uh, uh Akuma, one uh, over Hollow Wicked, uh who replaced Jigsaw, who was caught in the traffic problems. The Young Bucks, Gargano, and Let's Say Dorado. Uh, BXB Hulk uh, beat Brian Kendrick. Uh, Shima won a four way title qualifier over Hori Rivera, McQuacker Bush, and Super Crazy. Uh, Yamato pinned Richards. Jigsaw pinned. So Jigsaw got there. Yeah. <laughs> he pinned Kicks. Imagine you're like, okay, we'll play you on a later match. I mean, that happens. But Eddie Kingston here uh, in Dragon Gate USA now. Once again, <laughs> I have a talent. Uh, Yoshida and Dwaya uh, beat Dragon Kid and Takagi. Uh, BXP Hulk won a four way over Yamato, Shima, and Akuma to be the first champion. Uh, Sapolsky uh, and uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much the rundown there. Um, December 30, 2009, Gabe Sapolsky's Evolve Group debut show on January 16th, Robby, New Jersey has Davy Richards versus Kota Ibushi, Quackabush and Jigsaw versus Hollow Wicked. Uh or, I'm sorry, Quackabush and Jigsaw versus Hollow Wicked. Wait, how is this? Yeah, he's definitely. I'm oh, sorry, Quackabush, Jigsaw, and Hollow Wicked. Versus Kuma, Icarus, and Brody Lee. Uh, eye for talent, once again. <laughs> TJP. Uh, versus Minoru Sawa. And Chuck Taylor versus Cheech. The evolved name was the idea of Brian Danielson. Who Yeah, and this is what you talked about. He emailed the Sabulskin Tour of Japan. Uh, and Danielson was going to be the star of this promotion until he got signed there. Um, but yeah, uh, you see there, like, Kota Ibushi. Brodie Lee. Um, definitely, you know, when you talk about the, before they were stars, I don't think people give this enough credit.
1: You mean this era?
0: Yes. Yeah. But especially, I think like Dragon Game Evolve, like in this time period. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ring of Honor, he's birdie a little bit, but he's. He's putting Birdie Lee on the, I guess you would call it one of the first super indies Evolve.
1: Yeah, because I think Evolve, uh, Dragon Gate Evolve was actually his first contract in wrestling. Yep. Um, Because he definitely was there.
0: You see Moxley, Gargano, it's it's insane what's happening here in 2010, (laughs) you know. I mean, Moxley and Gargano are both are probably two of the ten biggest stars in wrestling right now. It's it's crazy. Uh, January eighteenth, two thousand ten, Kendrick versus Jacobs uh, was added to the January twenty third show in Chicago on the main card. In a prelim match for ringside ticket holders, they've had Eric Cantor versus Lince Dorado versus Holloway versus Johnny Gargano versus Kyle O'Reilly versus John Moxley. Uh, with the show being less than two weeks away, and I'm having second row tickets discounted $10 earlier this week, this isn't a good sign, considering one of the things Sapolsky vowed was starting the group was they wouldn't do sales and discounts. From what I gather, they still really don't know how pay-per-view sales did, even the first show, and they're not confident in the second show due to a lot of systems not airing in until Wednesday after the announced start date. However, DVD sales and the promotion have been very strong, but getting people to come to shows and attend haven't been easy. The prior shows have ranged from okay to good, but second row available for a second show in Chicago on a late date isn't great. Um, this wouldn't be the first promotion where very delayed pay-per-view sales have hindered growth. <laughs> no. Like, I, mean, how many times have we heard, oh yeah, the pay-per-view sales are going to... and. And then of course they think I. I think some promoters. Sapolsky obviously knew the model, but I think some of these promoters that have ran a lot of these one-off shows, uh, for don't realize how delayed pay-per-view sales were at that point. I mean I don't know how streaming sales are now. Would like maybe you know a little bit, Ashford? I'll go into granular. How quick do you see your profit from Fight TV? Do you know? Um,
1: I. I've never accepted payment for fight um but well, not saying to you but I'm yeah, saying yeah. if
0: you may be new. Uh
1: I believe it's I believe it's every month. Um, see, that's not bad. So but it's it's at the end of a month um they pay out. I don't See I don't know when exactly they pay out. I know for IWTV, you like you get that at the end of the month like the first day of the next month you getting revenue. Um so they're pretty Jerry and his team are on on top of that. Um, I know for the pivot share networks, which would be title match, high spots, uh, CCW, any of that use that back end system. That used to be 15 days after the month ends. And now it's pretty much one to two to three months after. Um, so it it could vary. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much better than what we've heard, what what traditional pay-per-view used to be, where you're waiting, it's every quarter. So you're waiting three months where you're, where you're like telling talent, like it's, they just have to wait. Like if, if Jim Crockett didn't have to wait three months, would he have had to have sell, would he have had to sell the company to Ted Turner? Um, Like, if he got that money in 15 days.
0: Yeah, I WCW. mean. I I mean, that could be said for a lot. I think that could be said. I mean, Jared talks about how it was tough to keep the lights on in TNA for the first year because they're running on that weekly system. Yeah. And, and you're uh, not getting
1: that money for. Yeah. For like weeks and months. On the line. And ECW too. Like in demand owed Heyman hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not seven figures. I don't remember off the top of my head, but like they owed him a good amount. Like that's that's make or break for a lot of these small companies.
0: I wonder if that was Herb Abram's defense. Guys, the pay-per-view money, it's gonna come in soon. Trust me. Have a cookie.
1: Yeah, Herbert. Herbert would, Herb would say that he had like five five million buys, six million.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lie, right? Did he really would say it?
1: Oh, no, I, I'm just I'm just assuming
0: because it's Herb. <laughs> yeah, he probably probably did. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we're doing four hundred thousand buys. That what,
1: would definitely whatever, be the
0: number he would say.
1: Whatever WrestleMania did that year, just uh, add like one more person. That's that's <laughs> what Herbert
0: said. Oh, oh, just abs, absolutely phenomenal, um, movie. <laughs> oh man, I love how we got into Herb Abrams talk. Uh, movie on uh, January twenty fifth, twenty ten.
1: Have we mentioned him every show too?
0: <laughs> we have not. We eventually okay. like, because because Herb's in a in a weird period where there's not a ton of indie wrestling, so. He's okay. been barely talked about, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've,
1: we've talked about John Collins. I think, I think he's come up in almost every, uh, every, every show, every
0: topic so far. John Collins not, came up in a lot yet. of topics. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was definitely, he, he was definitely involved in the, uh, Burr Prentice episodes. Um, yeah. January 25th, 2010, uh, added to the January 23rd taping will be uh, Machizuki defending FIB title against Davy Richards. I think it would be in U.S. pay-per-view that this would be a title switch. Uh, they do a pay-per-view review. Um, this is just uh, what they after watching the pay-per-view, uh, it's funny a the pay-per-view show will have two of the best matches, most likely in U.S. television, would be actually the weakest of the three of Dragon Gate USA offerings to date. It's not really a knock on the upcoming Freedom Fight show, which uh, debuts on January 22nd, uh, taped on November 28th. It's more of a mark that the two prior shows are the two best pay per view shows in years, and this is right there up with them. Uh, Like the last one, it had matches that were off the charts. Uh, I'm just going to show will not air on Dish Network, which cuts availability of the show significantly. DirecTV doesn't air Dragon Gate pay per views either, so it's pretty much only available in homes that have cable. That's huge. In this period, in 2010, that's huge. Uh, but there were problems. The production is the same in Dragon Gate preview is like others. Ring of Honor previews before that. Uh, if you need the Major League look, you aren't going to get it. That said, the sound of the show when interviews were done in the ring was bad. A different level than before. It was like being in the arena with a bad sound system. You could hardly understand what was being said. It was somewhat bad in the show open, but really got annoying after the second match. Um,
1: I mean, I could just, just reading that, I'm going to guess that they didn't. They didn't connect a. They didn't bring a clean feed from the microphone into the into the the live production or into the video production the live stream because that's that would explain anytime you watch a live stream now and you could barely hear the the microphone that would be the reason.
0: Um, speaking of live stream here, you know we've seen Dave mention multiple times about the production quality of the show and you are a big part of this. So this is why this is a good conversation to have with you. Do you think, you know, we talk about maybe it's just, I don't know the do it yourself culture. Maybe it's the, you know, just the quality of talent or wherever it might be. But do you think the rise of independent wrestling being so prominent in today's world has to be the production quality of it because it is significantly better than what it was for the past 20 years and beyond until probably the last few years.
1: Um, I think the, the increasing of production values with streaming could, uh, could be associated with that. Um, because everyone knows, with how Go Fight Live used to be, how uh, how sketchy internet streaming was back then, and even Ring of Honor's early uh, foray into live streaming. Now, now we still get problems. Um, I, I can't say we don't like, but everyone has problems. IWTV has problems. Jerry has problems. Um, every company has issues that come up from time to time it's just what you're working within a budget and yeah if every indie promotion if they could afford it, if they could afford $10,000 for a TV truck and $30,000 for a professional crew like Ric Flair's last match that you could put on a sh- an indie show that's streamed that has zero issues and amazing quality But you don't get that in indie wrestling. You get the DIY. You get a lot of teams that have professional equipment, but it's not... Like, it's nowhere near WWE level, nowhere near AEW level. Um, But it's equipment that will present a steady stream compared to this era. Yeah, I think that has a big hand in why the business is... Is at that level has exploded. Um, IWTV just existing by its alone has done a lot too because Jerry's put a lot. Jerry's helped to build up a lot of small time indie feds and a lot of feds you wouldn't know. But I feel like today's production also makes low budget shows acceptable in the fans' eyes because, as you just read there, that. Dave is kind of knocking the production levels of Dragon Gate and Ring of Honor. And this was during that period, too, where Jim Ross would... People like Jim Ross, but also Jim Ross would consistently rip on Ring of Honor's production about the lighting and all of these little things. And here, of course, like Dave and Brian are ripping on basic things like audio. And now I think a lot of people are accustomed to a much lower quality product on the indies, uh, without completely shitting on what I do and everyone else on my level and my my colleagues do. But I think, like, I think twelve, fifteen years ago, they wanted everyone was looking for a perfection and looking for a WWE quality. Stream and now I think expectations are more realistic in what they're looking for and at what level it could be, and that's why like you don't see you don't see these same types of criticisms now for pro wrestling that's being streamed, even top notch, top level uh, pro wrestling like like GCW, but even like WrestlePro, which has Pro has amazing. Production with lighting, with videos. That would be something I feel like if it existed in this period, Dave and everyone else would shit on because of because it's not a main event level looking production.
0: All right. Uh January twenty-sixth, two thousand ten, figure four weekly. Dragon Gate USA uh take latest pay per Saturday night at the Congress theater in Chicago. Some notes from the main card. Quagabush and Jigsaw beat Shima and Super Crazy in a fun, high-spot-centric tag match opened the show. Crazy was super over and actually used the Japanese Thundersticks uh, to clean house during his comeback. Fans went nuts for that. Um, I forgot about the Thundersticks. Those were a big thing in sports for a while, too. Uh, Kendrick beat Jimmy Jacobs. The angle here was that Kendrick came to the ring with Lacey. Yes, Jacobs' old ring of honor flame, and she kissed... Jimmy as a distraction, leading to Kendrick the win. Uh, Moxley and Kendrick beat on Jacobs afterwards until Dreamer made Tommy Dreamer made the save, uh, perhaps setting up a tag match on the next show. Uh, fans loved Dreamer, uh, Davey Richards, and Mochizuki, uh, beat Mochizuki to win the F full impact Pro Championship. Not nearly at the level of the most recent Davey matches, so it was said to be disappointing. My guess would be that a disappointing Davey Richards match would still be pretty fucking good
1: <laughs> uh, that, that's Doi- Brian's uh, yeah there. F- yeah
0: um, yeah I mean yeah, I can't disagree uh, especially at that point at that time <laughs> uh, Doi Nishino uh, but he's still workers uh, are still putting on amazing matches yeah, um, Doy Nishino uh, let's see here Oh, yeah. Beat the Young Bucks, Generation Me and TNA, as he puts, Uh, and Shingo and Yamato in one of those crazy elimination matches. Said to be excellent and the best match on the show. In the main event, BXB Hulk beat Dragon Kid to retain the Open the Freedom Gate title And a great main event, probably second best on the show. They worked a different main match than you'd think. Uh, more traditional with less high-flying from Kid. Didn't get a final attendance, but it was down to 50 to 100 from the last show. The company figured they'd be up 100 to 200 based on the success of the September show, but it didn't work out. It's considered a bump in the road, nothing to freak out about. They also get pay-per-view numbers for the first show. Uh, they got pay-per-view numbers for the first show. We don't know the exact numbers, but they had estimates that came in right in the middle of those. So a mild success, but nothing to throw a major party over. One positive was is that they sold merchandise like crazy. It was described as an old school 2002 to 2006 Ring of Honor crowd, and that they were uh, eager to open their wallets provided they were given something they felt was worthwhile to pay for. They also reacted like an older Ring of Honor crowd, kind of Japanese style, and they watch intently for periods and then they go nuts uh, and give the matches standing ovations afterwards. The overall feeling is that it, nothing is as good as the main event of this past weekend's pay-per-view, but top to bottom, it was really strong, so closer to the first show they put together. Uh, and in the 2009 Observer Awards, the, J- uh, the July 25th uh, first Dragon Gate USA show Open the historical gate, did get the first votes for best major wrestling show. Number three was Dragon Gate USA Open the Untouchable Gate, don't know why number two was in there. This was Dave's MMA phase, so yeah. UFC, UFC one hundred was
1: listed. I mean, USA, UFC UFC one hundred was actually a good. Uh, oh yeah, was that great? I, great show. Uh, I, actually, oh, great event, I, say. I actually remember that. I think I think uh, Lesnar worked it. That's why why he listed there.
0: Probably it was that Lesnar Mir. Like, uh
1: yeah, Lesnar Mir. So
0: I remember yes. watching that at a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so and then uh, uh, let's see here. Are, are there any honorable mentions? No, uh, but they have here that uh Gate USA ran two shows in their in 2009. They finished in one and third. The only promotion besides Drain Gate USA to have two shows in the top 10 are WWE, with Mania at four and Backlash at six here. Um, and then we'll go over this here. We'll go over uh, results of that show from January. And that's kind of where we'll end part two here, folks. Uh, and this from the observer. So drinking USA did its fourth pay-per-view pay- 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 taping at January 23rd at the Congress theater in Chicago before a slightly disappointing crowd, about 450 fans. So that that's below projections. Now that is disappointing, <laughs> but yeah. the, the, the crowd was down a little off uh, for the first Chicago event, even though uh, the September 6th show was a good show as it could, as could be possible. The scorecard of these events are that they're an all-hardcore crowd, which goes down slightly with each return visit. The expensive seats all sell, but the general missions are tough sells. Uh, those who come spend a ton of merchandise and DVD sales of the first show are excellent. The pay-per-view name, numbers for that first airing in September were okay. It was given, wasn't given a number, but to me, a number of 10,000 would be termed uh very good for a promotion at this uh level doing a tape show bringing about our peak to the 10,000 level so it's probably close to 5, seven five hundred, because less than 5,000 would be considered disappointing numbers i'm going to move on <laughs> dave reports months ago that they would be happy with 2,000 how is 5,000 disappointing
1: yeah i would consider it to be disappointing because Like yeah, he said Ring of Honor peaked at ten thousand. It doesn't mean Ring of Honor is currently doing or at this point doing ten thousand. Like I think so. If they did forty five hundred, Dave would consider that disappointing.
0: And I gotta say this, and I think this needs to be said. It's very interesting that Dave can't get a a pay per view number for a show months uh, uh, before, but he gets those AEW pay per view numbers pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: it seems
1: almost like he has an inside track somewhere.
0: (laughs) His estimate's usually higher than Thurston's, though, Brandon Thurston's. Um, Oh,
1: yeah, he's getting the estimate from... He's not getting it from Thurston, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um,
0: uh, Let's see here. Yeah, so... uh, to continue on to this tirade, right? sorry. The problem with it is the second show is expected to have done as well as the first show because so many systems didn't air the show on the Friday night premiere and nobody aired it on Sunday, where a lot of the buys take place because wrestling fans are familiar with buying Sunday night pay-per-views. The third pay-per-view, which aired on January 22nd, was hurt because the Dish Network didn't carry the show, so it's likely down 10 to 20% on the second show. Uh, the show taped over the weekend uh, will air starting on March 5th, there are some changes going forward in the promotion. The plan is to bring in stars from Japan six times a year. The second will be shows on March 26th, March 27th in Phoenix for WrestleMania weekend. The March 26th show will be exclusively for DVD sales, headlined by BXB Hulk versus David Richards for the Open, the Freedom Gate title. The March 27th show will be a pay-per-view taping that will air in May. On the other four trips, the plan has changed from a single show to running two shows, On the weekends, there will be a major show, which will be taped for pay-per-view, and then a smaller show on the night before, taped for DVD sales. The idea would be more effective with guys being flown in for three days, so they just sit around a day anyway. Of those four trips, one will be a return to Philadelphia, and another will be September 25th, show in Chicago. The other two shows will be New Markets, which have yet to have been finalized. The show said to be very good with no match to your candidates, but the top three matches are all said to be excellent. The first four matches were not taped for the pay-per-view, although the TJP vs. Akuma match was said to be really good. It may fit into the show. So this is the pre-show, folks. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly won a six-way match over Eric Cannon, Johnny Gargano, Brad Allen, John Moxley, and Lindsay Dorado. Uh, Silas Young pinned Hollow Wicked uh, to w- retain the AEW Championship, which is an indie group that runs in nearby Berman, Illinois. AW still still going strong. Uh, Moxley pinned Darren Corbin in a quick squash. Uh, Kendrick and Moxley were put together as a team in a play review. Came out, challenged Tommy Dreamer to come out. They called him old and washed up. Kendrick said he was mad because Dreamer was an office stooge in WWE and kept him from getting any success. Uh, TJP beat Granicuma with a variation of the sharpshooter. Uh, Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw beat Shima and Super Crazy in a good match. Uh, Kendrick beat Jimmy Jacobs. Kendrick vowed he would beat Jacobs uh, in the game of psychological warfare and brought out Lacey, who was Jacob's love interest and ring of honor. They had a great match. Uh, at the finish, Lacey teased going back with Jacobs, but instead distracted him, allowing Kendrick to come in for, uh, behind and get the pin After the match, Kendrick and Moxley beat down Jacobs. Jacobs got the mic and started insulting Kendrick's wife. Taylor ruthenia wasn't there. Kendrick and Moxley came out, and Kendrick said they aren't going to hurt Jacobs a lot worse than beating him up. Kendrick teased, kissing Lacey, but instead Moxley clotheslined her. Dreamer then came out and brawled with Moxley for a few minutes, finally laying Moxley out with a DDT. The Dreamer stuff won't air a pay-per-view because he's still under a non compete with WWE. Um,
1: When was Dreamer fired?
0: What but here's my by? thing. If you're not going to air this... Okay, wait a minute, though. Yes, you're taping the pay per view in January, right? But if you don't air the pay per view until March, then then he's fine.
1: Yeah, he left. Uh, he was released January fourth,
0: two thousand ten. Oh no! Yeah, March fifth wouldn't be. So he's fresh off a of release here. He's two and a half weeks in.
1: But even even still, I don't think it can even air after the fact
0: because it was recorded.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, they did it, oh, they did it okay, or, like, the way they planned it, where Kendrick and Moxley beat down Jacobs, left, uh, and then that's where the segment would end, and Jacobs continued, grabbed the mic, they came back out, did the Dreamer stuff, so, like, it, they did it in a way where they could easily cut it out.
0: Richards beat Mojizuki to regain the full-impact pro heavyweight title, uh, in a three-way match, Yoshino and Do, uh, Doi uh, won over Shingo and Yamato and the Young Bucks. Uh, and in the main event, BXP Hulk retained the Open of Freedom Game title over Dragon Kid, which seemed to be an excellent match. Um, so, so yeah, so there you have it. Uh, we are now four shows in. Attendance going down a little bit. Pay-per-view buys to Dave's estimation are going down. Um... But, would you say that it was maybe a successful Ring of Honor at this time period?
1: I think it's comparable.
0: Comparable, yeah. I mean,
1: without looking up Ring of Honor numbers uh, to see how they fit, but I think, I, I feel confident with the cards of Dragon Gate at this point and what Ring of Honor was putting out there that, yeah, they're they're pretty much at the same level.
0: All right. So with that, uh, we will stop this for now. And then, cause then we got a lot leading up to the WrestleMania weekend shows. And, uh, you know, with your busy schedule, and my busy schedule, uh, we, we wish we could do four or five hour episodes, but fortunately time doesn't allow that anymore uh, for our lives here. Um, but yeah, so there you have it, folks. You know, you're seeing now we we covered three more shows that are in the opening show. Uh, you're seeing the DVD situation. You know, still kind of begging on that. But really, the pay per view buys, hoping that the pay per view buys are good. And they and almost a year, well, seven months into the company, they only know the first pay per view buys. So that's definitely uh, a deterrent of that. But also. If you look at this roster and everything going on, clearly a a lot of the names we're talking about are going to be future huge stars. I mean, a pre-show match between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly is just insane. But that was the pre-show. So, hey, when you go to your local indie show and watch a pre-show, those guys might end up being super big stars. You never know.
1: Um, 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 Depends on what (laughs) indie, indie fed you go to.
0: I I guess so. Um, So with that, uh, you know, we'll do part three in September, and uh, this probably be multiple parts. But it's it's great because this is the first. We have to remember there's a couple great things to this topic, and uh, and I think that's what makes it so interesting. First off, it's Gabe Sapolsky. We've talked about all these promoters. Uh, This show was a lot about promoters that are have for lack of a better word, polarizing, no matter what that might be, right? Um, Sapolsky, is a, he is a uh, Paul Heyman, you'd say disciple, maybe? Be a good Heyman word protege? F- protege, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. So, of course, he's going to be an interesting topic, and it has been interesting, but what I was going to talk about, too, this is a Japanese wrestling promotion in the United States trying to actually run kind of fairly regularly we're getting that now with new japan strong and new japan usa um you know and it's there's a lot to be said because i think there was a gap between the two when drag usa closed and new japan usa i don't know anybody who's really trying to run regularly here from japan um so I find that fascinating uh, as well. Um, but yeah, so th- that will do it for part two. Uh, of course, like I said, you can listen to us on Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your favorite podcasting sites. Of course, it's RTA Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, thanks once again to BSCPP Radio Productions and Matt Johnson, the podcast precinct. Uh, you can check me out, uh, Chris Gullo. Um, I got a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, you can actually hear me every Sunday on WrestleNomics Radio. Uh, that's available on all your major podcasting and sites and through post-wrestling as well. Uh, where me, Brandon Thurston, and Jesse Collings talk about the week that was and the business. Professional wrestling. We've also been doing some uh, midweek Patreon shows too. So if you're not a subscriber to the Wrestling Patreon, you should be. Um, For myself, uh, Chris Gello, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, You can also uh, buy my brand new t shirt on slash Chris Gello, the Bowtie Mafia shirts. Uh, As far as upcoming dates, uh, I'll be at Southern Tier Wrestling on September 4th. Um, I will be at Excite Wrestling on September 17th, uh, and that's about, it's a kind of a late September for me. October gets crazy, but kind of a late September for me, but Bill season and my birthday and all that, so, but I'm sure I'll add some more dates as time goes on, um, but Ash, you got a lot going on. Tell everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so as we're recording this, this coming weekend, we'll be... The Second City Summit in Chicago. I'm producing every show there. So Black level Pro, GCW, Effie's uh, Big Gay Brunch, uh, Settlement Series for IWTV. Week after that, the next Settlement Series in JCW. Week after that, I will be in the UK doing uh, producing TNT and GCW. Week after that, I'll be in LA and then Japan with gcw producing their shows there uh coming right back and the first week of october i'll be at ac with gcw pretty much every gc every gcw show at this point is produced by me or uh by one of my colleagues at gopro so uh yeah i'll be all over uh just working with gopro and working with gcw and uh various feds that we produce for.
0: Yeah, if you're in Chicago this weekend, you're to be any of those shows because he's producing a lot of shows uh, this weekend in Chicago. Uh, what's your favorite monster again, Ash?
1: Uh, well, there's there's, it, it depends on what time of day and what I'm doing, but <laughs> I would appreciate a green monster. Yes. If anyone, anyone can find any red monsters, those are very hard to come by. I have to buy them by the case on Amazon. And I've only found them Those are the my wild. favorites too, man. I've only found them out in the wild in Texas. For a while LA had them, but now they don't. So like the, the last time in the last time in uh Dallas, I found I found a few of them. Um
0: Yeah, I've moved to watermelon those. now because that's the closest I can get to that kind of feel of the red monster.
1: Black cherry too. Black cherry, I cannot find black cherry anywhere, but Amazon has those in cases, so I uh I stock up on those. But, yeah, if, but if you're also in – but if also Dave Meltzer, if you're also in Chicago, stop by and get a picture because uh, I I have not yet uh, ran into him at any shows, and I'm disappointed about that.
0: Uh, rumor is my co-host, WrestleNomics, might be in Chicago this weekend. He doesn't know yet.
1: Oh, so. good. I'll, which, which co-host, Jesse or uh, – Thurston. Thurston. Or- Oh, okay, thanks for letting me know now. I'm just going to text him the entire time and be like, where are you?
0: <laughs> um, all right, yeah, he, he hasn't decided yet. He's deciding tomorrow when he gets back from New York.
1: Got I'll put him to work. I'll him a headset and be like, here, <laughs> produce my cameraman.
0: Um, so, yeah, so uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll see you in September. Uh, thank you guys for supporting us. I know we're not as re- regular scheduled as we used to be and – you know, we're not doing four-hour episodes, and we do apologize about that. But we really do appreciate all your support. We still, even with how crazy and busy our lives are, uh, we still uh, want to talk about independent wrestling history and bring it to you guys at least once a month. So thank you. Keep supporting independent wrestling and learn your independent wrestling history.